Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we are heading into our Advent series. This past week we sent out again the Advent book, and I encourage you to be going through that because, because our series is going to be following along with the Advent readings that we have. And when we look at Advent, as a reminder, Advent comes from this, the Latin word that means coming or arrival, right? Advent is this four-week period before Christmas that celebrates both the anticipation and the coming of Jesus Christ the Messiah. It's two parts. And we need that because we're in a culture that doesn't tell us that. It doesn't lean into that. It's one that is very commercialized, one that's very self-focused, which totally misses the meaning. So this is a season I'm praying for us as a community that we will restore and reclaim the true meaning of Christmas, which is Emmanuel God with us, alive in us. So as we go through, as, as we've been doing, we're going to be going through four major themes, which are hope, peace, love, and joy. Joy, the Lord is our strength. And today we're going to be focusing on the Advent theme of hope. And our scripture for this is found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And the scripture is going to come up, and I'm going to move the speaker back. So we've had enough broken legs and stuff, haven't we, Pastor Steve? So, so good to see you and Melora out. Isn't it good to see them today? <laughs> Amen. This is our scripture. Titus, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Powerful scripture, powerful word from the Lord. And as we look at this today, we're going to be looking at three key things, right? Three key things. First of all, we're going to look at what Advent means, the important parts. First of all, it's the past. We're going, to, we're going to look back to that first advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us when, when Jesus came as a baby. And then we're going to look to the future. This is the second advent. This is the second coming of Jesus when he returns as a crowned king. And then we're going to look at the present. We're going to re- as we remember the first advent, <coughs> excuse me, as, as we look at the first advent and we look forward to the second, we need to recognize that this is all about preparing us for right here and right now, getting us ready for what Jesus is talking about. So we're going to look at the past, the future, and the present. It's like a reordering of Charles Dickens, a Christmas carol, right, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> How many of you love that, right? So I'm still, I still love the classic, though Jim Carrey does a pretty good job. So let's look at the past, first of all. Advent, we're remembering, we're looking back on that first coming of Jesus. Because again, Advent is about reclaiming and recalling the wonder of Jesus Christ and everything that he's done for us. It's a reminder of everything that he's done when it says in the first book of John that when Jesus came to earth as an infant, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. See, this is the foundation of Christianity. This is the foundation, and it's one of the very distinctive features that it's not a God that we worship from afar. It is a God, Emmanuel, God with us, alive in us. That's why Christmas begins with remembering. 
I mean, I love Christmas. I love as soon as things go up, and I work really hard to encourage my family to not have any Christmas music until Thanksgiving, uh, but that didn't happen. And anybody with me is like, you shouldn't play any Christmas music until Thanksgiving? I mean, you know, and if not, I, I, I forgive you, though you don't need forgiveness, but I work real hard because as soon as that comes up, it's like immediately all these emotions, all the memories of Christmas morning. You know, Christmas morning for me up in northeastern Canada is even though I couldn't sleep that night, it it still seemed like mom got up before me (laughs) on Christmas morning. And I would immediately, I'd smell the chicken cooking. All the smells that were coming from the kitchen and I'd go out to the front room and and dad had a fire going and the Christmas stockings were going and there were all these candies and treats and things that we only got at Christmas. Anybody with me in that, right? I mean, it's, there was no Amazon back in the 80s. I was an 80s kid. These were special things that my parents worked for to bring that to me. And all these memories, they came alive in me. And see, we love remembering. We love remembering. It's important to remember. We need to remember the good things in our life because it's so important. That's why one of the reasons we celebrate communion is because Jesus said, why? He said, do this in remembrance of me because we forget we get distracted we think about the circumstances of life even as we've been praying today and we forget all the goodness of God but we need to remember this that's why even in the Old Testament the prophet Samuel after this key moment when they had this decisive victory over the Philistines remember what Samuel did he took some rocks and he built these rocks and he called it an Ebenezer. Very Christmas word now, it's an Ebenezer, right? Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. And he did this so that every time people passed by, every time people saw this, they would look and they would say, remember when God helped us. Remember when God delivered us. Remember when he was there because we have bad memories and we need to remember that God is with us. This is why we celebrate Advent as a church because we want to make sure that we don't miss the purpose and the meaning of Christmas. That first advent, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, this is why Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. See, God's presence is everywhere. His presence moves over the surface of the earth. He is everywhere. There is nowhere that God is not in this earth. But when we talk about Emmanuel, God with us, we're talking about something different. We're talking about God with us, in us, moving in and through our lives. I think it's amazing that when I think about this and when I remember all that God has done, how he sent his only son to die for me, though I didn't deserve it, just because he loved me, just because he wanted to be with me. He wanted there to be no doubt in my life that he's alive and he's working in me. And I think it's worth us pausing for a moment to think about what this means. Because when we talk about God loving us, sometimes we can become desensitized. But think about this. The God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who made everything and everything in it. God, the one who rules over everything. God, the one who is completely sovereign in every situation. The one who created the foundations of the earth. The one who holds life and death in his hands. The one who will one day be our ultimate judge. This is the God who wants to be with you, with me, Emmanuel, God with us. And he broke down everything. Every, bo- every boundary, every border, every obstacle, so he could be with us. I mean, think about the most important person in this world. And if you had an opportunity to be with there, you could say, ask it of me and I will give to you. I mean, there would be a line wrapped around the building. But yet sometimes we forget who God is and who he would be in us. Emmanuel, God with us, the maker of all things. The one who... Day and night, the angels bow before him and cry, 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And then the angels, they lift their heads and they get a fresh revelation and they immediately bow down again and say, holy, holy, holy. You know, I remember as a kid when, when I heard that, just to be honest with you today, be very vulnerable, I thought, man, it'd be terrible to be an angel. Can you imagine spending all of eternity just doing that? And have you ever had that as a, growing up as a kid? If you heard that, you're going, I used to think, man, how in the world could they do that? But what I failed to recognize is that every time they lifted their head, they got a revelation that was so strong, so fresh, that all they could do is bow before him. And so many times we are so content just to show up and just to sing a couple songs and just to get a few little feelings, and then we walk away. And when God's saying, there is so much more for you. There is so much more that I want to reveal to you. So much more that I want to show you. That's why God didn't come just to give us good feelings. He didn't come just so we could come together once a week for a service. He came to change us and transform us and be alive in us. That's why the angels, every time, it's a fresh revelation for eternity because eternity cannot contain God. Eternity cannot contain the view of who God is. That every time we look at God, every time we deny ourselves, we follow him, there is a fresh revelation, fresh power, fresh opportunity to follow him in the way that he has for us. But like C.S. Lewis said, that we're, we are often so easily pleased. We're content making mud pies when we don't recognize that there is an ocean waiting for us of God. This is what Christmas is meant to be. Now, why does God want to be with us? Why is this so important? He could have just informed us. But he wants to be with us because proximity to God changes us. See, when sin entered the world... It changed us. The proximity to our adversary, Satan, it changed us. It changed the course of humanity. But that's why God, he's not just to inform us. God's desire is to transform us, to return us to the way that he originally created us, his intention for us. But this requires a renewed, a reconciled relationship, which is why Jesus came. See, relationships change us. And I think one of the things that we've seen throughout COVID and throughout this time, as so many of us have been online, people who are not online are now online because of COVID, because they want connections so bad. One of the things that we've recognized so strongly is that relationships change us. Relationships change us. We're often known, even we've even seen that our theology will be changed by relationships around us. That's why he's Emmanuel, God with us. We know that knowledge alone does, doesn't change us. It's not about being informed. I heard someone say this past week as it relates to the news. They're like, you know, the problem with the news is that if I don't follow the news, that I'll be uninformed. But if I do follow the news, I'll be misinformed. <laughs> Have you, right? And it's like, how do we win? How do we go in? See, that the knowledge, and you may have even heard before that people say that, you know, like knowing is half the battle. If you just know and if you just research it, that knowing is half the battle. But now we, we know that it sounds good, and anecdot- but we know anecdotally that this is not even true. It's not, we can inform all the time, but there's no change. And even now, as I, one of my favorite books that I've been reading is, is this book called Live No Lies by John Mark Homer. And he brings up this whole aspect about how knowledge alone has never changed us. And it's not half the battle but that professor of psychology and cognitive science at Yale University, uh, Lori Santos, she found this. She says that simply knowing something is not enough to change. Change is hard. Knowing something is important, but it's not half the battle. That through her study, she's found that knowledge alone is only like 10% of the battle. Think about that. Knowledge alone is only 10% of the battle. Now, study to show yourself approved. You need to be filled with it, 
but we're not halfway there just because we're informed. Change is hard. I mean, how many times an apostle Paul even talks about this? He's like, I know the thing to do, but the thing I want to do, I don't do. Have you, do you ever struggle with those things where I know what's right, I know what I should do, I know I shouldn't eat that bag of chips at midnight, but it is so good, right? We, we walk in these ways. We walk in these ways. But change is hard. She says that for ideas, good or bad, to reshape our lives, they have to get into our hearts. The deep centers of our beings that integrate our thoughts emotions, and desires, and from there into our bodies, our muscle memory, or more Christian language, into our souls. See, it's not enough to know something, and again, you need to know, you need to study, you need to inform yourself, but we don't, when we stop there, we're only 10% of the way there. That's why proximity to Jesus Christ is so important, because whatever we do, whatever we walk, we are reinforcing the person that we want to be, for good or for bad. The steps that we take, that's why what we watch is so important. That's why the things that we say are so important. The things we choose to do, the things we not to do, all these things reinforce us that we may say, well, I know what's true, I can walk in this way. In the words of Jesus, Jesus said that we need spirit and truth. That in order to transform us, there's a spirit, there's that relationship of God with us. Because spirit without truth has no meaning for us. We need the truth, but we need the relationship. This is Emmanuel, God with us. This is the first advent, the arrival of Jesus Christ. And we need to remember this, that he came as a baby, a humble king, to be with us. But with advent, there's also a second advent coming. We don't really talk about this very much, but there's a second advent, and this is the future. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I heard a lot about it as I was a kid. I heard about it in Sunday school. It put the, put the heebie-jeebies and the fear in my life walking through when I think about that. But it's true. It's the second coming. See, the second advent is very different. In the first advent, we had a humble king, Jesus coming in as a baby, saying, Emmanuel, God with us, because he wants to be with us to change us, and he's giving us this choice to receive him, to transform our lives through the power of Jesus Christ. But the second advent is very different. It's very different. This is when Jesus returns now as a conquering king. See, that's what so many of the disciples, and that's what the Pharisees, they expected that in the first coming. When Jesus came in the first coming over 2,000 years ago, they expected a conquering king to come and to judge everybody. But the problem with that is because they assumed the judgment was for other people, not for themselves. See, we love justice because we assume it's for everybody else, but when we really look into a mirror and when the Lord reveals to us who we really are, that's when we back away and say, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. See, for justice to be justice, it needs to be equally applied to everybody. And we've all failed. We've all done things that we wish we didn't do. This is the second heaven. That's why Jesus in the first heaven, he came as a humble king saying, Jesus, light of the world, forgive me. He called people to repentance and to follow him and to be transformed, to discover that life to the full. But there's a day coming when Jesus will come as conquering king. This is a time that Jesus spoke about frequently throughout his ministry. In, first, in John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, but believe also for me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and will take you to myself, 
that where I am, you may be also. Jesus often talked about heaven, and now he's preparing a big, big house with lots of, lots of room. He's got a big table with lots and lots of food. All right, got some newsboys out there, okay? When the Apostle Paul talked about it, speaking to the Corinthians, he described the second coming this way. Paul said this way. He said, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Paul said, it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. When the trumpet is blown, we sang about that today. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. But listen to this. He says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, what's happening here? There's a lot going on in, the, in, in these verses here. See, what Paul is saying, he's saying that during the second coming, that first of all, Jesus will return and he'll bring those who are following him to be with him in heaven. We're saying glory, hallelujah to that. But he's also saying that our earthly bodies will be changed into heavenly bodies. And he's saying the living as well as those who have died and gone before us, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, those who have gone before me who know the Lord. He's saying that those bodies will be transformed. And Paul is saying that these bodies will never die. In other words, that the curse of sin, which is death, is removed. See, this goes back to our theology about how God made us. When God made us in the garden, he made us perfect without sin. Our bodies were not originally created to die. Death came in as a curse of sin. I don't know if that means that the hair doesn't fall out or not, but I know that our bodies were made forever. (laughs) See, the death of the body is a part of the original sin that we see back in Genesis 2.17. And what's happening here is the second coming. This is a time when Jesus comes as conquering king to bring justice to the world. You know, from our devotional book on day two, which is tomorrow, of of our Advent readings, author Rachel Gilson says this. She says, the second coming of Jesus will be in no way subtle. The totality of creation from the heavens down to the roaring seas, will be spasm. The totality of all the peoples of the world will see and despair. There will literally be nowhere to hide, nowhere to find safety from the one who will finally come to bring justice. Nowhere except in him who comes again to judge the living and the dead. While the nations will anguish, the followers of Jesus are told not to duck and cover, but to stand and to lift their heads because they have hidden themselves in Christ, seated in heaven. They need have no fear when he returns to earth. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this, even that he, that he would come quickly and surely. That's from our, our devotional reading. So what are the two things that Advent is reminding us of? First of all, that this world is not our home. <laughs> this world, I, I love Seattle. I love the mountains. I love it even when it's raining in Seattle. I'm strange that way. I love it here. It is so beautiful. But this world is not our home. We need to recognize as followers of Christ that we are on our journey, that we are on our way to our home. I think one of the things that's happened during COVID is it's really tested whether or not as a body of Christ we believe that. 
Do we believe that this world is not our home? Now, we're called to be stewards of it. We're called to protect it. We're called to be engaged with it, right? So pick up your trash. <laughs> Take care of the world around you. I pray that the salmon stocks would flourish. Amen, Pastor Steve? Right? Take care of the world we're in. But we do that just as good stewards. This world is not our home. It is not our home. We are on our way. But Evan also reminds us that God is just. Again, we love the word justice, except when we start to feel justice in our own life. See, judgment is coming. One day, Jesus will return as crown king, and it's often described as, as a thief in the night. Jesus sp- spoke in this in parables and teaching his disciples that there's justice coming right now. I'm coming in grace to you to offer opportunity for you. So this world's not our home, and God is just. So what does this mean for us today in this present, living with hope? See, to get from here to there, we need hope. We need the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. See, God has given us hope, but he's given it to us by a free gift called grace. Right? The amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the saved the wretch, We sing it not like you, but like me. We apply it here first. That's why true revival, when true revival happens, one of the first things that happens is there's a conviction of the individual believer. There's an awakening. There's this reviving of the spirit that comes on. Because before I can do anything else, God's looking at me and he's saying, Dwayne, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Are you ready to take care of this? Are you ready to be used by me? But the first thing that God does is he sharpens a tool. He doesn't swing a blunt axe. He doesn't use broken tools. He comes in and he takes your brokenness and he uses it and he strengthens it. And he puts it in the forge. He puts it in the fire. And he takes out his hammer. And in the moment, we're saying, God, why are you doing this? He said, I'm making you new. I am strengthening you. I'm going to use everything in your life, all those broken things that happened that Satan meant for harm, I'm going to take it, I'm going to mean them for good, and I'm going to strengthen you. You're going to be stronger than before, you're going to be wiser than before, and you're going to be filled with my power. But there's that process that we need to go through that in order to do that, we need to recognize the hope of God in our life, that there's a purpose that he's calling us to. That's why as it relates presently to the time that we're in, this grace time, in 2 Peter it says that the Lord, he isn't really slow about his promises. God is not slow about his promises. He's not dragging his feet. He's not thinking, I wonder what I'm going to do in Dwayne's life today. I wonder what's going to happen there. He's not slow in his promise, as some people think. He says, no, he is being patient. He is being patient for your sake. And we are terrible at being patient. We want it right now. I remember when Amazon Prime came out, you can get it in two days, and then they start doing same day. And now if we can't get it in the same day, we're going, well, this stinks. I'm going to go... Fred Meyer, right? Because we want it now. We're we're so used to things conforming to us. But he's saying, no, God is not slow. He is patient. He's refining us. Why? Because it says in 2 Peter, he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He's patient with you and me in the world that we're in because it was never his desire that it would be destroyed. It's all because of the sin that we all chose, that as a result that the curse of sin is coming, that now our bodies fail, that now we, there's, there's hurt, there's pain, there's all these things in the world that were never part of God's will. And so now we're in this grace period where we say, no, I want to give everybody an opportunity to walk in this way. And for those of you, if you really are aware of yourself, you would say, thank you, Jesus, because I need him. Anybody else need grace out there this morning and patience in your lives, right? 
This is who God is. He's patient. This is the hope that we have. Because of everything that God has done in the past and everything that he will do in the future, as a follower of Christ, we are now called to live with this hope and to invite everyone to join us because when we recognize what Jesus has done, when we recognize there's a day coming because God is just and we love justice, but there's a day coming when it's going to be there, we should be inviting everyone that we know to join us to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And this is one of our biggest hang-ups, often as followers of Christ. I mean, when you have the greatest thing in the world, God, Emmanuel, God with us in your life, wouldn't you want to share it? I mean, should I be scared about, well, maybe they won't like me? If they don't know this about me, they don't like a real version of me anyway. I remember I was talking with some people who had never been to church, some young adults down in Cap Hill. And one of the things that they were talking about is that they had somebody who was a Christian, and they didn't have great opinions about Christians. But one of the things that actually became an obstacle to them, they were like, you know, you say it's so great, but why have I known you all this time and you've never even told me you're a Christian? You've never talked about Jesus. Because when we come together and we work together, we're talking about the band we saw over the weekend, we're talking about the person we saw over the weekend, we're talking about everything in our life, the things that are important, and you're saying God is the most important thing to you, but you never talk about him? Their words, not mine. If we really believe it, now you do it with grace, you do it with love, you do it the way that Jesus did it. Follow the ways of Jesus. We share it, it's always the truth, is always front-loaded. He came in grace and truth. But you share it, you live it, you come alive in it. The Holy Spirit shows you and teaches you and you struggle with it. I've had those struggles. I've walked into places and like, God, I want to talk about you, but please show me, please speak to me, please give me an opportunity today. And the whole time there, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. It's not when I show up to this office up here, but in other places I've walked. But as we've walked through, Jesus, help me, show me. As I walk into this place today, as I walk into this coffee house today, as I step on this bus today, as I get around some family, God, show me, help me to do this. And he does. But it's prefaced with me seeking. Lord, show me. I want them to know. They need to know. Not because I'm in fear, but because I know of the grace and truth of God in my life. This is why hope is so important. We need it. We need it. See, that's why Christmas is meant to be deeper and richer and is filled with hope in our lives. Because it wraps up not just the gift under the tree, but it wraps up all of our past and gives us this incredible gift of an eternity with Jesus Christ. A gift that is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled. So say unfading, that's kept in heaven for you. This is the hope of Jesus Christ. The first advent, he came as a baby, humble king, still a king, but a humble king inviting to relationship. The second advent, where he comes as a just crowned ruler, but he's patient, saying, will you not choose this day to follow me, to be alive in me, to push aside every hindrance, every weight, and to find that life to the full? This is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it to remember. It's an invitation for us to receive, but it's also an invitation, and I recognize that I'm speaking to predominantly Christian audience here today. 
It's an invitation for your life to be transformed to fully surrender to Christ, but also an invitation for you to give. An invitation for you to give, to not give up, to not lose heart. There are people I've shared Christ with, and in that moment, they gave their life to Christ. There are people I've walked with for 20 years, and then they gave their life to Christ. There are people I've been walking with a long time, and they have yet to receive. Jesus is the Savior, but he's called me to invite, to love, to share, to be gracious. And I'm telling you, in the world that we're living in today, you walk in a loving and gracious way, not willing to break relationship because somebody disagrees with you, you will stand out. And they will say, what is it about you? (laughs) I'm not willing to break relationship because you disagree with me. I'm not willing to break relationship just because you're rude with me. Now, I'm not talking about those toxic, abusive relationships, right? But, I mean, I've seen relationships break down over that. <laughs> when we stand firm, we say, no, I'm, I'm your brother. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. We can work this out. This is what Christmas is meant to be, that deep, that richness that life transformation of that hope of Christ. And I don't want anyone to miss out. I don't want anyone to lose. That's why we're here. And the enemy is going to be pushing in you every day to give up. Give up. Stop asking. Stop talking. You're an annoying person. He's going to throw everything your way. We need to be more committed than ever to say, Jesus, flow in my heart, grace and truth. Transform my life and use me in this Christmas season to share the love of Jesus, to never lose heart, never lose hope in your name. I mean, the team's going to lead us in a song. And, but I'd like to challenge you in this moment to go, just to ask yourself, you know, where are you with Jesus? Where are you? Have you given everything to Christ? Fully surrendered that fully devoted follower to where Jesus puts a finger on something and says, get rid of that, get rid of this, and you're saying, yes, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Or am I a believer to where I'm like, <laughs> I'm not letting go of this. Are you willing to deny the world so that you can gain Jesus and see him alive in you? And if not, in this moment, say, what's, what's holding me back? Am I not seeing all that Jesus has, all that Jesus is, what he wants to do in my life? Maybe that's it, and you've got to pray, Lord, show me. Show me where I'm blind to who you are. Or show me the things that are distracting me that I need to get rid of. Show me any fear that's in my life so that I can surrender to you and walk in this way leading my community, leading my family in all the things that I do for your glory. If you want to have a Christmas that is unforgettable, say, Jesus, how can I share what I have in my heart with those around me? Walk that out, wrestle that out, talk about it in your group, talk about it with your friends and go, you know, how can we share this? How can we encourage people? How can we walk this out? What does that mean for us? I guarantee it'll be a Christmas like no other. Hope you can join me again tomorrow. We're doing takeout. 
Uh, we're just at noon, just walking through the Advent. Be looking in the mail. If you haven't received your Advent book, uh, make sure that you do that. But amen. But here's our benediction. Let's say this together as we uh, leave here today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.